0: Welcome to Chinuch Today with Rabbi Yerachmiel Garfield, where we highlight innovative ideas and inspiring people from the world of Chinuch. Hello and welcome to another episode of Chinuch Today. So excited to introduce you to Rafal Alter. I've known Rafal for a number of years. I originally reached out to him about his music program, but then we ended up learning about Lomdeh, which is an extremely progressive uh, program which you're gonna learn about that he's been developing over the past 10 years. We're gonna touch upon technology and the opportunities that technology offers us in the Torah schools. You know, many years ago, I think in 2003, I wanted to get an additional master's in leadership. And at that time I had finished one degree from John Hopkins and I went back for an online degree. And it was in the very beginning of online learning a tremendous promise. It was actually the first, one of the first, online master's programs in the country. And it was so connected to an organization called ISTE, I-S-T-E, which is a national or maybe even international educational organization focused on blending technology and education. And so this was their flagship program. It was actually on the degree. It was called like a ISTE certificate along with the master's. As a focus, we had to go to the ISTE conference, which I went to that year, and got to see some of the amazing technological opportunities that exist for schools at that time. This is, my gosh, almost 20 years ago. And I, I wrote an article. We Everyone had to pick a piece of technology and sort of highlight its opportunity in school. And I wrote an article on something called the Fly Pen, and it was published in the ISTE magazine. It was my first publication, actually. And that... Flypen was a special pen that you're supposed to be able to use to take notes, and it would record, and it, I don't know, had all sorts of bells and whistles, an MP3 player maybe. Of course, uh, you know, I don't think it ever actually took off or did much for education. But at the time, that was quite promising. And that's one of the significant components that I've come to learn about with technology, having been an educator through some waves of technology that have come. When I first started as a teacher, and a Rebbe. There was very little technology in our classrooms. I remember I was one of the first educators in Atlanta to use a projector, and certainly one of my yeshiva. At that time, the projector cost three to four thousand dollars, and you know the school had one of them. And uh, I got a I got a laptop and connected, and it was very progressive at the time just to have that technology. Of course, then we got into smart boards, and there were all different types of smart boards. And then there's now we're into the one-on-one with uh, laptops or tablets in the hands of all kids. But I think those of us in education know that it's very hard to successfully implement technology in our schools, that they sound great uh, on the commercial and they have tremendous promise. But when it comes to the actual implementation of technology, so much money, energy and time goes to waste. That's why as an educational leader, I've been very strict to only introduce technology that I know is going to be able to be integrated into our program. So take smart boards, for example, even though they're arcane in many uh, schools by now. But a smart board, for those of you who don't know, is a way to make the entire teacher's whiteboard interactive where the students could touch it and the teacher could touch it and sort of interact with it as a tool touchscreen screen on their computer. And I've always felt like that's a wonderful technology, but in a lot of schools, they got ahead of themselves and they bought everyone a smart board and every teacher was expected to use it. And it just became a drain and a piece of hardware and software that wasn't really being used, wasted a tremendous amount of money. That said, if you have a teacher who's particularly motivated and interested in using a smart board like we have here at our school, one of our Abayim is a very skilled user of his smart board, uh, it's a tremendous asset. And I would love to spend the money on it for a teacher. Another example is in a school I worked at previously, they had a very sophisticated uh, software where parents could go on and see what the students are doing. And in theory, it's a wonderful thing for parents to know where the children are up to and get live reports. But it became such a burden on the faculty. And so many parents didn't use it that the cost of getting everyone to use it and supporting it and making sure it worked, no way was equal to the benefit of that small percentage of parents who actually used it. So that just brings me to the general caution about technology. As consumers, both for school leadership and for parents, don't quickly fall for all the bells and whistles that technology promises. Technology as a place and it does have the ability to augment and support our educational process. But ultimately, it comes down to teacher buy-in, teacher training and support. And that's one of the things that's so wonderful about Lone Day is that, as you will hear in this interview, Fall Alter and the team of Lone Day are so uh, interested in not making this be another technology that sits on the proverbial shelf, but rather as a technology that's very useful and that could integrate, and they take feedback from teachers, and they're interested in building strong, small and strong, and they have a lot of opportunities for teacher support built into their program. And that's why it's. I'm so happy to int- introduce you to Rafal, his story, how he got into it, and what it is that he's produced, because I think you'll really enjoy it. Hi, welcome Rafal.
1: How are you, Rabbi Garfield? Nice to be speaking to you, and I'm looking forward to the conversation.
0: Okay, so tell us just briefly, like, where do you live and what do you do every day?
1: Okay, so I'm based out of Toronto. Toronto, can't for those that don't know, Toronto is in Canada.
0: Oh, you don't say.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and um, um, Baruch Hashem, I've had the opportunity for close to 20 years now to be working with a um, mechanic. His name is Rabbi David Kestenbaum. We knew each other even before we started working together. But initially, about twenty years ago, he developed a program, a music program hmm. to teach kids how to play the piano. And uh, the program still is in use today, still being used in schools in Toronto and in different parts of the states. But this was at a time when I think music and um, the the ability to reach, children there was a, a very strong interest at the time so we developed a, a color-coded program that uh, has all the pedagogy and the methodology but in a way that's very tangible and accessible to students and we brought we brought it to, to schools and primarily we brought it to from schools and being able to have an entire classroom. Sitting, uh, you know, quietly with their headphones on each student moving along at their own pace with a keyboard, a traditional keyboard connected to the computer where it tracks the student progress and allows them to move at their own pace is something that was appealing and is still appealing to schools. What's that program called? That program is called Color Keys. Okay. It's a a music program. It's actually, um, it's something that is Title IV approved. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, schools can use their Title IV dollars towards it because it falls under the category of the arts. But the nice thing about it is that, um, like I said, you don't need a traditional music teacher. Kids are able to um, really understand and move through the program because it's 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 attainable for them, and we've thrown in a lot of Jewish music along the way. So it it, it becomes something that is very relevant for kids and Ooh. kids especially who want to um, express themselves in ways sometimes that they can't in the traditional classroom or traditional subjects. It it we we have found over the years it's very much helped them express themselves, and um, many of them have moved on to take than private lessons, but it really opens the door to for all children to be able to learn how to play an instrument.
0: That's awesome. So spoil alert, that relationship has now developed past color keys and is going to be the Lum Day platform we're going to discuss. So I know that's but now you've you've piqued my interest. Let's go back to that first day when you got connected to him. What were you doing in your life that as a Non educator, non musician. I don't know. Maybe you are a musician. You suddenly said, "You know what? I'm going to partner with this rabbi and develop a program." Well,
1: let's so start I've, with where did you grow up in
0: Toronto? Okay, so
1: I grew I grew up in Toronto, and I went to. Um, you know, you talk about why why I picked this. Um, yeah, this, how did you get into this, it? This track, right, yeah, yeah. Of, of profession. Um, I grew up in a house where my, my father, Aloha Shalom, was very active in the community. He was a lawyer by trade, but, um, he was, he was really, uh, you know, it was all about Tsarche and it was all about claw work. Um, he was very involved in many areas in the city, from, from Bikr to the Federation to schooling to Kashros. But his baby really was the school that I went to, Eitz Chaim in Toronto. Sure. Uh, he was the President for probably over thirty years. and I, I just observed growing up how much he he cared about it, how much he you know he took it upon himself to make sure that the school was the best school possible. Mm-hmm. And to really to really give back, he told me that the reason why he got involved in in that uh, line of work is because when he was growing up in Toronto, his parents really couldn't afford. To send or to pay the tuition that was necessary. And this is going back in the, you know, back to the 40s and the 50s. And he felt as a curse to be able to give back to the school that so much helped him that when he was had the ability and the capacity to be able to participate in that, in that role that he joined and uh, he really grew in the ranks. And um, really, it, it was really his baby for so many years and he really cared about it so much and he sort of grew the institution wow. so i i observed that as a child growing up and i knew that you know education in general and we all know this we speak about it all the time you know the most one of the most important things as we carry forward in our generations is chinuch, and to be able to transmit the chinuch to the next generation and to our children because that's the continuity and to be able to have strong schools and diverse schools you know, schools for different parents, you know, in, that are going in different ways, but to be able to have a strong showing of schools that will carry Klaal forward through the next many years is something that I felt and I, I observed growing up that was very important. So specifically how I connected with Rabbi mom we knew each other, you know, going back. He was a Mechanech. I believe he he even was teaching when I was, he's older than me, but he was teaching when I was... In, in school and in, into yeshiva, I believe where it really started i think he's, I think he told me this was that I was a head counselor in a camp in Toronto, a cup for a couple of years, yeah, and I think he kind of saw what was going on and he had just started this idea of this color keys music program, mm-hmm. and we connected and you know I started working there and developed it out. We started with books, right we would hand out books and, and it was color coded there 's a patent oh, on wow. it. And then it developed into software and we brought it to schools. We brought it to the public school system here in Toronto because it's actually it meets all the criteria of, you know, here in Ontario and in Canada, music is mandatory. So it meets all the criteria, but it's done in a way that's tangible. And then probably about, you know, 10 years into that project, I would say we shifted gears a little bit to try to focus more on mainstream Education. Wow.
0: Cool. I would ab-
1: I would observe Rabbi Kestemam and where this idea started, and really, when we talk about an out of the box, Rebbe, you won't find one. Where is our- he? He's in time? So he used to teach in Eitz Chaim, and he was in a couple of other schools. He was, um, as recently as a couple of years ago, was the English principal in Yeshiva Sisodia, Torah. Now he primarily focuses on building content on our long-day platform. Working on, on what all, grade did long, he
0: teach? What grades was he into
1: he, he was all, all over. He was all over. He taught my son sixth grade in Yitzhaim,
0: Wow. Chaim. Uh, wow. In know, the
1: Maharal track.
0: You made me think about the Chazal of Ilam Chesed Yibana, the idea that your father... Really, your grandfather almost experienced chesed from someone in Toronto. We don't even know who per se, the, the altar, the altar, altar, <laughs> right? This per the president of the school back then. And then your father, um, transit transformed that chesed into a chesed for the Toronto community and specifically it's Chaim. And now you are building an entire new avenue of chesed, all improving the world based on the chesed that started. You know, eighty years ago, it's just a beautiful, really inspiring concept to think about how our kindness can transcend our lives and and express itself along the way. Did you have any formal training in in either music or technology or
1: education? So not really. I'm more of a, of the business side of things. I just had that um, intuition. I I did. I do play guitar by ear. I play a little bit of keyboard as well. What what interested me was, was that, you know, it was a good environment. Uh, It was a good idea. Um, You know, we wanted to bring this to primarily to schools. I thought it would be very helpful. Uh, Growing up, I remember, you know, at the best, you know, at the best of times, they would hand us a recorder in school to, to play an instrument. And I thought, how amazing would it be to be able to actually sit in school and have a keyboard. And be able to move along at your own pace and learn Jewish music. And really sort of augment and, and, and be able to fill in your day by being able to express yourselves in ways that you may not have had an opportunity for. So I like that idea. And I, I also knew that Rabbi Kassimam is very, very visionary. You know, I, I was mentioning before when we kind of transitioned into what t- is today Loam Day. I remember he would come home. to talk about an Out of the Box, Rabbi. He would come home every day with a cart filled with papers. And these papers were printed papers that he would have in what is today what we call translation of P'sukim or Ansar Balashina Pasuk. So he would have the Pasuk and he would have the this, this students underline the words and and write a number on top, correlating, you know, the the breakup of a translation of a Pasuk. And he would come home, Meshuggah Laisadavar, every single day, and go through all those papers. Because he was teaching at the time in the Maharal track, which at the time was, was at the school. And this was a track and a system that came from Eretz Yisrael, by which students would go through through grades 1 through 6, they would go through wow. Hamish HaChem Torah, and as they were building from year to year, they would be doing a lot of Chazara. So he would have, he was a 6th grade Rebbe at the time, I believe, and he would have at that point, he would have his students literally go through Hamish HaChem Torah at their own speed, he would provide them all this content. And at some point, we said this is crazy, like, to go sit there and mark all this every single day, and he would do it. So like, you know, let's put this on, on a system that can really then ex- expand itself out and make it easier for teachers so and that's, that's how Lo
0: day was born it was born from you and him sort of seeing the burden the, the paperwork burden that he had and the ability to,
1: to meet individual needs of students look w- when we started this the concept and the idea I mean today you look around you know, all the English programs out there that are personalized 10 ten years ago it was there but it wasn't as as, um, as prevalent that it as it is today and for sure. On the Lamudic Coda side, it was unheard of. Right. So this was something that was kind of we were look, looking at, at back at the time, and he had realized in the in the way that he teaches his class and the way that he wants to be able to meet every single student's needs, what can be done to provide that that type of environment for students. Yeah, and yeah. that's where, that that's where
0: that's kind of where it started. Wonderful. I just want to translate for those who are less familiar with educational products. There's a lot of Secular products where they adapt to the child. When you answer a question, we are master a skill. The computer program will then give you content based on how you did. We use them here. We have a math one or there's a whole bunch of the different ones, but we personally use it more for math where the program will almost assess and then give the student personal adaptive content. That's what Rafal is talking about with regard to what they were trying to develop. Like we didn't have that 10 years ago. It was we didn't use it here. We've only been using it for about five years. So you guys said, even though our main bread and butter was music, was music popping? Were you getting clients? Did you feel it was, it ran its
1: course? It, it, it was, it was running its course. We were um, subscribing a lot of, um, a lot of subscriptions in, in the New York area for schools that felt a lot of girls schools that felt that this would be a good supplement in, in their day. But we felt that ultimately music is really something as an extra. Yeah. And, and th- we, we felt in terms of making an impact in schools, which is really the goal. And we, if you go on our website and you see our, our um, you know, our flyers that we send out, there is really one goal. And and it, it's, it has stayed true since day one. And the goal is, it's lahadzul taru Hadira. And, you know, when Rabbi Kassimam created all his material that is now available on the platform, along with other material that other people have created, but the bulk of it is really his material he had a vision of wanting to be able to expand this out to as many schools and make a difference in as many classrooms as possible. Wow. Again, for the ultimate goal, Lahagdil Torah Lahadira. And that's kind of what's carried us forward in our interactions with schools, in the way we deal with them on the money side of things. There, you know, we have to cover costs as well. But really, there is one ultimate goal, Lahagdil Torah Lahadira. Beautiful,
0: beautiful. Okay. So tell me about tell me about the platform. How did it evolve? So you guys said, we have all this m- content, m- mostly Chumash-focused at that time. And uh, how do you take that to an interactive learning platform? And, you know, how did you guys make that jump?
1: Right, so that's a great question. So there was definitely, as there is in in, in any evolving company, when it comes to a product, there were peaks and there were valleys. And we had started what we what you see today is not what it started off with. And um, we had tried to, you know, create a technology and and bring in some shnaius and be able to highlight, kind of like what what ArtScroll maybe does today on their on their Gemara app and things like that. And then at some point, at some point, I'm trying to remember when that was there was kind of a mind shift in terms of moving away from providing content and being able for students to go through content and highlighting and things like that Mm -hmm. to more focused skill building. And this is something I think that we were kind of tracking where we felt that the skills of students um, can, can be always improved. And um, over the last, I would say at least five years, maybe even seven years, it, it's definitely a conversation topic in schools, in our from schools, where schools are looking to track more um, of the skill building and be able to provide some data back. And that's, you know, schools are sort of shifting towards that. And when we realized that that was happening, we also shifted somewhat to be able to start building out all this content. So we, we created a platform and then we started inputting all this content that, that we had. And uh, that had put together over the years that he used in his class, from Chumash to Mishnayas to Halacha, you know, Naviim. Now that we've added Parsha Shavua, Yom Tovim, Ivrit So over the years we've added more and more content. And the idea was is that you know we want and we continue to. We realized really right from the beginning, and in, in our interactions with schools, you know, when I speak to principals and I speak to teachers, you can create the best platform the best software and you drop it on a teacher's lap we all know teachers are they are they're overworked they don't have time they want to be more efficient in the class so if you provide them a software that that really is very versatile but they have to go ahead and they have to create all this content chances are they're not going to use it Uh, Maybe some will, you know, some of them that really persevere and push forward and are good with technology, most won't. So we realized right from the beginning that content is so essential in making this whole thing work. So we built very, you know, a very strong software. But at the same time, right from the beginning, we added a lot of content. And the nice thing about it was, as this evolved over the years... We didn't want to box teachers in as well. So we didn't want to create content that the teacher has to take as it is. And if they want to go ahead and change it, it becomes a really big pain to do because otherwise they wouldn't do that. We wanted to provide them a baseline of something that would work for them, that is flexible enough. But that really allows them to personalize the information so that if they have a pasuk and they have, we have a breakdown of that pasuk and they want to mix up the order of the pasuk or they want to take out a word and sort of a different word, you know, so that it speaks in the way they're teaching that pasuk, they have the ability to do so. And I think Baruch Hashem, that has been a winning recipe for teachers because they feel like, okay, I don't have to start from scratch. But at the same time, I don't have to be be boxed in.
0: Right, like and the burden
1: of being able to have to do it the way the program presented it. I can it can really be very much personalized.
0: Tell us a little more about the tachlos of the program in terms of like what is the ex- user experience for students? You know, for people who haven't seen the program.
1: Okay, so the program actually, um, as we're speaking, we just finished and we continue to roll out a, a brand new edition of it. And this is all based on feedback from schools um, and internal discussions that we had. We're very, uh, our approach is really, it's a partnership with the schools. So we're here to service schools. We're here to service teachers. When teachers provide us feedback over the years of we would like this or we would like that, we take all that information and we've gathered that over the last four or five years. And over the last half a year, through the summer. And now as we roll it out, we've rolled out a brand new platform that really meets a lot of those needs. And what it also does is it provides the ability for teachers to really individualize in the class. You know, when you ask me what the purpose of the program is, ultimately, I would tell you that if a teacher, when we look at a teacher using the program in the most beneficial way, we're talking about a teacher using the platform using the LOMDE platform to individualize in the class. What does that mean? That means that every student has their own account, that the teacher in theory can be sending different assignments to different students in the class or in groups. So I can break up my class into different groups and say, you know what, I'm sending five students this material and those students that material and be able to break your class up for, for multiple purposes. Purpose number one, what it does is it allows the teacher to be able to focus on smaller groups at at, at one time. So in other words, instead of the idea of what was called frontal teaching, okay, a a technology and a software like this gives the opportunity for a teacher to break their class up, focus on groups of students and provide them the information and the, and the, the support that they need while other students in the class are, are doing something productive for example, they're on their long day software. They're in their own account. They're going through material. When the student goes through their material, the student gets feedback. So, again, when I was going to school and maybe when you were going to school and maybe and and still till today, um, you know, there are different approaches, but you get a, you get a paper worksheet, you fill out the paper worksheet, you give it back to your teacher. Teacher gives it back to you two, three days later in the world that we live in today, unfortunately where everything needs to be now. And I need to be able to see my information back now, not just because that's the way the world works, but because it's more effective that way. When students go, when you do something and you get feedback right away, we have data on this the retention of the students now knowing that information is a lot stronger and carries forward a lot longer than if they get that information back two, three days later. Hmm. So the ability for students to get that result back in order to fix their mistake, in order to retain that information so that when they do the test a week later or a month later, they now know it. We have data that demonstrates that students retention is stronger and lasts longer when they get their feedback right away. So that th- there's a definitely a purpose just in just for students to get back information as it is. At the same time, the platform provides ongoing real time data. Mm-hmm. So a teacher is able to see the information that comes back to say, Wow, I just sent, you know, Psukkim Aleph Tehei, translation of Psukim in this parrot to all my students. These three students are really struggling. Or, or I didn't teach it really well because everybody's struggling with this information. So the ability to get that information back, to be able to go ahead and use it to go back and service students, right, is something that's very valuable for, t- for teachers as well. And, and that's what ultimately helps them in identifying without having to burden the teacher. I think if you were to ask most teachers today the, the idea of having to go through paperwork and have to mark material nice. to be able to gain some information and access of where the students are at is something that if we can remove that would to technically be not necessary. So if, if teachers are, are, don't have to mark any of this material because they're getting that feedback in real time because it's being marked through the program and teachers are then taking that data to be able to drive instruction for their students – that could be very, very helpful for the individual students. And what we've also seen, interestingly enough, and, you know, we, as we see this progress over the years, is that there's less and less students that are being pulled out to resource rooms or for extra help because they're being serviced more in the class. And I think that um, just from a perspective of a student, well, student's well-being, and a social perspective, knowing that a student can remain in a class and doesn't have to be pulled out because they're being serviced in the class is something that sort of holistically is very healthy for a student. And, um, you know, programs like this help that as well.
0: Amazing. How long is a typical session? Like, is it half an hour or so or less or do you use it in small bites?
1: So um, the the way, our philosophy on this, when we uh, onboard teachers is I give you all the different ways you can use the program, but ultimately you're the teacher. You decide how mm. to use it. Um, I would tell you that that um, really the, 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 the optimal way to be able to use a program like this, you can use this in, in bite sizes of 15, 20 minutes a day if you wanted to, um, to be able to say, okay, I'm, I'm individualizing in my class. I'm breaking my class up at a certain point in the day. Kids are going on to Lom Day for 10 minutes, for 15 minutes, for 20 minutes, and they're doing their work while I, the teacher, the Moro, the Rebbe, I'm able to focus on smaller groups. I've seen teachers use it for homework. If it's, if it's something that's appropriate to go back home with and, you know, schools are okay with, with uh, kids using the technology at home. I've seen it used as a Hazara. I've seen it used as a pre-teach. I'm about to teach these tempsukim, let me see where my students are at before I even go and teach them the cool, you know these. Cool. I've yeah, seen it cool. used as, as a chazara, as 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 homework, as we said, as testing. There's many ways to use the program. Ultimately, it, it it's something that the teacher, you know, whatever they right, feel comfortable right. with, and they use it in that capacity.
0: How about in terms of like what grade levels do you find it to be most effective? Like I can think first, second grade, maybe their technology skills aren't well. Maybe high school or older grades, it's not – the platform's, uh, you know, graphics and stuff might not grab a ninth grader. Where do you – where's your sweet spot in terms of grades? Right. So right now, we're – As you say in Canada, you say it differently, right? Grade nine. Grade grade five.
1: Right. Right, we say grade nine, grade five. Right. Well, we we could uh, we, we we you know we're we're having a conversation here, um, you know, with somebody in America. So we'll okay. say fifth grade. Let's we'll say fifth, grade in, fifth grade and ninth grade. We'll talk English. Tip, um, we we're, we're primarily focused on second through eighth grade,
0: okay. um, mm-hmm. right
1: now. Um, we're, we are we are um one of the things that we updated in our new p- platform is the front end. To make it to make the experience for students that much more intuitive, okay. that, much, that much easier, one thing I do want to point out to you, something that um, we um, co- consciously did uh, when building this platform, because we've been asked over time, can you make it more exciting? Can you make it more gamey? And for those programs that do that, call a kavod, and that's wonderful. We specifically did not do that. Mm. There is a balance. Of being able to make it intuitive and exciting and, and engaging, but not necessarily gamified, because ultimately our goal is is that students are, are able to are able to go through um, these skills in all these different areas in Limited Kodesh and master them. And that's the ultimate goal. Hmm. The goal is not to gamify Lamori Kodesh and to make it, you know, sort of to make it an exciting event. The, the goal is to really get down to the, the raw data for the kids to go through the material, do everything we can to make it as intuitive for them to go through that material. But ultimately, it's about the raw skills and passing that information back to the teachers in order for the experience of the students to be one of success.
0: That's really amazing. That's a really interesting co- point is the hashkafic sort of place for a program like this and it's nice to know you're being thoughtful about it tell me about that have you gotten any resistance from the establishment about not using computers bkhal or somehow you know using computers for for a davar is inappropriate or i don't know what what are some of that feedback and how, how do you address that
1: Sure. So this is something that's always evolving and it continues to evolve. It continues to evolve over time. One, one of the, one of the big areas that we feel in terms of the sensitivity that we have as a company to from schools is the sensitivities and the Ashgothic backgrounds that schools have. So we're not here to say, you know, this is how it needs to be done. Take it or leave it. We want to. We we ultimately know that having kids go through material like this will will help them. But schools are not going to compromise, nor should they, on their hashkafic positions of what they want to bring into school or how it's presented and all those things. And and I I respect that very much and we respect that very much. So what we've done over the years is we've come up with ideas that can, I want to say, either circumvent or work with that school's hashkafa so that it's not an affront to the school. So I'll give you a perfect example. Yeah. Um, we, we, when we, we're rolling out this new platform right now, we connected with somebody in New York that has a system that will allow, because our program really needs data to be sent and and, and pushed out and pushed back, right? A rebbe or Amora wants to send material to students. The student goes through the material. As the student's doing it, that data needs to be sent somewhere for the teacher to look at. Well, you can't have that work if there's no internet because (laughs) the data needs to be – it can't be local on a computer. By the way, our music program is local on computers Mm. because it's it's sort of – it's static. It is what it is. The students go through it. That is not so much necessary and it works. So, you know, we have schools in Lakewood that are using our music program because you don't need internet on the laptop that is brought into the school. But for the Lone Day program, which, again, the ultimate goal really is to get that data. How do you make that work? So there's somebody in New York that we connected with over the last year and a half that has a system in place where if a school and I think most schools today fall under this category, if they have Wi-Fi in their office. OK, we have a way to be able to provide computers or laptops and they could be older laptops into the classrooms in areas of the school where there is no Wi-Fi for the students to be able to go through the material and for that information to get sent back so that the teacher can read the data. So schools do not have to compromise hashcophically at all about, A, I have to rewire my school. I have to wire my school. Right. I, I, I don't want to do that. Hashcophically, I'm not OK with that. Okay, we have a solution for you where you don't have to do any of those things. Where the students again are not going onto the internet when they log into their account; wow. they're simply wow. just clicking on a icon that takes them into their own account, and the school doesn't have to change anything structurally or historically to make that work. You're saying when the laptops get back to the office, that's when the communication happens. That is that is correct. That's so there, awesome. There's a, yeah, so there's a system in place, and we're, we, we we plan to for them this coming year to be able to roll that out um, and be able to connect with schools who we feel a program like this could be and will be very beneficial, except for the fact that it can't get past first base because it needs internet and a school is not willing to um, to compromise on those on those um, 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 you know rules that they had in the school.
0: I, I love it. I'll tell you, as a school, our school has internet and we do have computers, but one of the challenges is, limiting the children to what they're supposed to be doing and etc. So the way this, the way this is set up, there's nothing else to do, you know, certainly on a Chromebook or wherever there's mom, there's nothing to do because it's totally, there's no internet. That's really that awesome. Yeah. And then also the idea of the gamification. Um, I think that's just so fascinating the way you expressed it. Is that something Rabbi Kestenbaum thought you go to another person to discuss it? Is that your sheet?
1: I think it was, I think it was collective um just think we i think we realize that um really cuz again what is our ultimate goal here what are we trying to accomplish we're trying to accomplish really La turla hadira and we want to we you know we we had years ago we had spoken to Ruslan Kamenetsky about the program really when it was just just beginning and um i, I remember he, he at the time he had two points that he brought up and um they were they were security and effectiveness. Mm-hmm. And he said it could be as effective as possible, but if it's not secure enough, then it doesn't matter. And, you know, you know, being from from people and understanding the sensitivities and the real dangers out there, you know, with technology, we wanted to find a balance of being able to bring something very effective that can really help students advance, but at the same time really hold ourselves true to the fact that we want to, this is Lamudia Kodesh, and we Roshelam, do not want to replace a Sefer, a Chomish, a Gemara. This is the follow through. And we explained it to Rosh al at the time uh, and to other rabbanim also. This is not in place of a Chomish. This is once the Rebbe teaches their style of how to learn a Pasuk, there's going to be a follow through. Every Rebbe wants to know that the student understands the ideas, whether it be the translations of the Pasuk or in the Navi or in the Gemara. How do you follow that up? You follow it up in an effective way where you don't have to mark anything, where it's all skill-based, where you get feedback, and you're able to drive instruction. Let me ask
0: you a theoretical. Now, Rafal, you might not have an answer. I'm not coming to you as uh, the Galadar, but uh, as someone who's deep in this, who thinks about this, who lives this, or maybe you can think about it for your own children. If you gamified it more and it had a more, like, modern, gamey experience – and your kid would then do it at night for an extra twenty minutes on their own every night. So meaning the idea of the gamification would be to motivate the children to be independently interested in skills. Would that not fulfill your goal of La Hagdir Tara Or would you rather keep it intuitive, but not necessarily entertainment, and they don't do it that extra twenty minutes?
1: So I would tell you I'm not I'm not an authority on when it comes to these things, but just for, as 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 a simple yid, i um, looking at uh, at this situation. I would tell you that there we can say that there there are ideas out there in the world, when it comes to Yiddishkeit, that if we did it a certain way, it would attract more it would attract more interest. Uh, you know, we would gain more access to it, whatever it may be. But there's also a sensitivity of no, refinement really. and the mesora and the kedusha of what we're talking about, and we're talking about lamed kodesh, and you have to be able to, to draw that line somewhere. Like I said, for those programs that really gamify the call kodesh, kavod, and that's their way of doing it. It's wonderful, and, the, and for sure, as you mentioned. It could be that they're attracting kids at eight o'clock at night who are going on their own to, to do things. But from our standpoint, where we the goal really is, is to advance the student's skill set in school. And we're using the program, the technology as a conduit to get there, we want to be able to be very sensitive to the fact that this is Kodesh, and it's, you know, it's our Holy Torah, and we want to be able to maintain that sort of that pristine uh, perspective on it. I'll tell you there was, and without mentioning the school, there's a school that uh, was very interested in using our program. And initially, and they are using it today, they're using it in the resource room. Um, I find that for some schools that are maybe what we want to call a little bit you know, more shifted to the right, um, they're not set up to bring this into the classrooms and they eventually maybe will, um, but they have resource rooms and they see that this can be a very, very big value. And they brought this to the sort of the head of the division, who brought it to the Skan Manahel, who brought it to... The Menahel and the and the the Rosh Hashiva or the the person right at the top took a look at it, okay. And it's not something that they look at every day. This is not something that well, we have ten programs. Let me see the eleventh program. Okay. And the comment that I got back, I didn't hear it from this person, but the per, you know the person that I work with at the school said, the fact that it did not look gamey was what interested this this rushshiva wow. or this Rav, to to bring it in because ultimately that's again we're, we're just trying to get the information across right. in an intuitive way but not to gamify something that has that kadusha
0: beautiful I have to tell you it's it's an inspiring position of yours where you're putting your values you know so clearly especially in a sector, I.e. technology, which is prides itself on cutting edge and, you know, almost the ends justify the means, which is the whole mantra of technology, right? Of, of all the shenanigans that social media does and all this stuff. And to hear someone who's focused on imbuing it with your and, and, uh, keeping it within the tradition and the Masorah is, is really wonderful. There's another thing about your program, which I think is really unique. um you might not even realize how unique it is, but I wanted you to talk about it a little, and that's the onboarding and support that you provide the schools and the individual teachers because I don't know of another program that provides that level of support. So can you tell us about that how you developed it and what you guys provide
1: yes, absolutely so so that whole idea of of really the the support that we provide to schools and to teachers was again something that we realized, and in, in talking with principals, Baruch Hashem, have had that opportunity talking with principals and with teachers over the last 10 plus years. This is moment hektish. Again, going back to something where we, we really want to do it the right way in Lahat la hadira, Schools are spending money on a program like this. The last thing that I want is that the program sits on a shelf and collects dust. And so through that idea and that concept, we we strategize to be able to come up with a system by which Baruch Hashem um, we have um, a, a wonderful uh, director of teacher development. His name is Rabbi Hartstein. He lives in Eretz Yisrael. He was a long day user for many years in Chicago in his school. He's uh, made Aliyah and he now works full time in onboarding and supporting teachers. He's available all the time, but it, it's more than that. This has developed over the last bunch of years where every teacher is onboarded and every teacher has a meeting three times a year. And if you can call it, you can call it a mini PD. And um, the, the, the teacher meets with Rabbi Hartstein and information is collected and a rubric is produced, which then I can bring back to a principal and say, look, this teacher, this was where they started at the beginning of the year. This was the goal that they wanted to get to by the middle of the year. This is where they're at. And it provides, over, it provides an overview and it provides um, accountability both for us and for the school in terms of seeing where teachers are at. And it's something so important because if it's not done that way, then with so many things that are happening at the school, te- things tend to slide. So we want to be able to know on our end. And as long as we have a strong partner on the other side that's responding to us, that's communicative with us, we will do everything on our end to ensure that a teacher is using the program and then over time is using it in its best possible way. And that's the that's sort of the journey and the process that a teacher goes through. And, you know, you mentioned that I'm very proud to say, you know, when we speak to schools or schools speak to other schools that they know that when it comes to the support and being there for teachers and, and, and having the oversight for principals, that, that we're, we're very much there and we're very much communicative. Do you market
0: directly to parents if a parent is listening to this and they think that they might benefit from it?
1: So we, we typically don't. Um, we, we, we work with schools generally. There have been families over the last couple of years who have homeschooled who have reached out to me either through getting a connection through the school or hearing it from somebody else. So we have worked with we have worked with some um, you know families specifically. There is an intention at some point to be able to provide this as another resource for students who are going home and need you know extra, you know, extra support and need extra materials and you new know, tutoring and things like that. There is an idea an idea to uh, develop that idea out, but right now we're really focused on the school setting and to be able to provide it in as, as many classrooms as possible to as many students as possible
0: awesome awesome um, and I imagine it's growing. I imagine that you're having more and more schools every year I could just feel the energy um, so I imagine that's the case and uh, you should continue growing are you you're basically I guess you're in Canada, you're in North America, Canada, United States. We're,
1: yeah. Most of our schools are in the United States where we have a couple of schools in Canada. We have some schools in England. We have some schools in South Africa. Um, we're wow. looking at uh, trying to branch out into um, a sort of area in Eritrea that can be, you know, it, it could be useful for, you know, maybe some ang- Anglican schools and things like that. Um, so yeah. The, the, the more the more that we do on our end and the more versatile that we are and the more flexible we are to the needs of schools, as I mentioned beforehand about the ability to bring it in without needing wi- Wi-Fi in a classroom, that opens the door to more schools to be able to say this is something that, that we can do. And I just wanted to mention as well, it's not for a conversation for today, but through the process of the software and the onboarding and the servicing that we're doing, you know, we're realizing that there are certain teachers that are really utilizing the platform in a very healthy and strong way, and others that are, are a little need a little bit more guidance. And, and through that, uh, it, it sort of that perspective and uh, research that we've done, we've now branched out and we've created another division, which is the blended and personalized learning, um, and really training teachers in this whole concept but but again doing it in a way that very much meets the needs of the teacher makes it accessible for them and provides real results at the end of the year.
0: Wow, that's really amazing. How could people get in touch with you if they'd like to learn more information? We'll put it in the show notes, but share with us how would you like people to get in touch with you guys?
1: So Great. You so the website right? you have a website. So the website is longday.com. That's L O M D E I.com. You'll find there um you know all the information with regards to the platform, the software, and the blended and personalized learning course that we provide. People can reach out to me directly. Um my email is Ralph at Longday.com. That's R-A-L-P-H at L O M D E I dot com. Um you can also um, call me as well. Email would be the best. Start, start the conversation that way. And we would be glad and honored to be able to connect with whoever it is out there to be able to help them in their school for the ultimate goal of Lahab La Hadira.
0: Beautiful. And now the last question. Before I get to that, I sort of thank you because I, I really find your whole approach, the way you mix your business acumen and the Chinuch and uh, customer service oriented. It's like you have all the all the mylas of the different industries that are intervening, you know, through this—it's—it's it's a beautiful thing. The technology, the education, the the midos tovos, the ashkafa, and the business—the business, the business side—the way you're you're running it very thoughtfully—it's beautiful. So, if you had a million dollars, someone called you. They're listening to this podcast, and they say, "You know what? That is an amazing idea. I'd like to infuse
1: it with a
0: million dollars to help Klal Yisrael." Do you have an idea of how you'd spend that money to
1: help Klal Yisrael? It's a wonderful opportunity to, to have to start thinking about uh, if I had a million dollars, what would I do with it. Um, there are so many things that we can do, but I would tell you that where I feel today the most bang for buck and the fastest growing approach that would help schools would be in the area of training teachers in um, really how to engage with their cla- with their classrooms this is something that's slowly starting to come onto the scene in from schools um, certain schools certain modern orthodox schools have been doing this to some extent in their Lamude Hall department for many many years mm-hmm. they've they've tried in the Lamude Kodesh I think there's a certain approach of how to get to the Lamude Kodesh teachers but I believe that being able to being able to Build out a staff of coaches to be able to train as many teachers in as many schools as possible will very much help the way students engage in learning, the way teachers engage in their class. Um, I know we taught we we know that there's a teacher shortage today. There's many reasons why there's a teacher shortage, but one of them is because it's a very difficult and taxing job, and you want to be able to see see the seepook of it. An approach like this makes the classroom environment that much much, that much easier, Mm -hmm. that much more, you know, beneficial uh, and and appreciative for the teacher. So that there, I I believe that investing the money in building up a staff and getting schools on board to train their teachers in a different methodology, which is starting to catch on in the from schools of how to approach the 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 teaching between student and and uh, and teacher, is something that would be um, very well well worthwhile.
0: Wonderful, wonderful, Rafal. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us, and I really think that uh, people will enjoy hearing about your program, and Mr. Shem, you should continue to grow. Thank you
1: very much for the time, and uh, looking forward to speaking with you again.
0: What an honor to introduce you all to Rafal Alter, who's someone who is so altruistic and interested in really making a difference. He's not someone with a traditional Chinuch background, and he has nonetheless committed his life to helping our children and to learn. And as we pointed out in the beginning, technology is uh, very easy to fall for the glitz and the glamour without really understanding the technology and how it works and how to really implement it in a real way. And I think Lomde has really made an effort to make their program real and to make their program useful and to be responsive to the needs. So take a look at their website, thelomeday.com. There will be access to it in the show notes. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions about possible guests, please, please reach out to me. The email for the podcast is chinuchtodaypodcast at gmail.com. That's chinuchtodaypodcast at gmail.com. This is your Achmiel Garfield wishing you a wonderful day.